Do you want your middle school girl to grow into a strong, confident, and resilient young adult? So do I. The only thing is, middle school's hard for both kids and parents. Welcome to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. I'm Janice Scholl, and I'm just a regular parent on a mission to uncover the best tips and advice for raising middle school girls. You know, parenting through middle school is difficult enough, but in today's world, it's even harder with anxiety and other mental health challenges at an all-time high for teen girls. Hey there, parents. I'm Janice Scholl, and in today's episode, I'm talking to licensed therapist Carrie Cooper. Carrie helps educate teens and parents on the challenges teens face in everyday life. She's written two books, one for parents and one for the teens themselves, called Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Teen Needs to Know. Today, Carrie and I have a candid conversation about what's driving this increase in anxiety and what parents can do to avoid or reduce the feelings of uncertainty and fear in our girls. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I think it's really impossible to have a middle school girl and not know that we have an anxiety and mental health crisis with our girls. Uh, But can you talk to me a little bit from your perspective as a licensed therapist as to what is going on? So you're absolutely correct. We are having a mental health crisis on our hands. I've been a therapist for 20 years. And in the beginning of my career, it was, you know, behavioral issues, some depression, some anxiety. 20 years later, it is anxiety to the 10th degree and my office is filled and every other therapist is filled and there's just not enough of us to go around at this point. So the big question is, how did this happen? And I think there's not one reason, but a few different reasons. Um, One of the reasons is definitely the introduction of social media. And we have the research to back that up as well. You know, listen, middle school is tough enough to begin with. And when you are sitting there so afraid of being judged and so afraid of who's hanging out with who, and are you a part of your friend group? Are you not? Who are you fighting with? Who's talking about you? You know, that's hard enough to manage. And then when you have to see it on social media, between the locations to see all your friends hanging out without you, to, you know, who's talking about you, who didn't like your post, who did like your post. If you mess something up in a game while you're out, it's now recorded and it's posted. That's enough to give any of us a lot of anxiety. You're constantly under a microscope. Not only are you constantly under a microscope, but you're now looking at everybody else's best moment and their best life. And you constantly feel like you are not enough because at that age, especially, they're not seeing that's just a snippet of their life. That's not their actual life. And I have those conversations in my office all the time. Um, The other really big issue with anxiety at this point is that most kids were like hanging on by a thread to begin with before COVID. And then we had COVID. And although we're back to normal, we're not back to normal. These kids have been impacted. They have not had normal social interactions. They have not been used to going into schools, people actually seeing them. It was really hard for some kids to take masks off because they didn't want their face to be shown. They were so used to hiding. And there's a lot of grief and loss with COVID that we're not really addressing with these kids either. They lost stuff. You know, they're grieving. And we didn't really ever 
talk about that. So those are a few of the things that are contributing to this massive anxiety issue. The other really big issue is these kids are really fearful. There's an overabundance of caution happening. They're fearful of everything. And I think that's kind of twofold, but kind of together as well. They're seeing stuff on social media. Everything is, you know, instantly available. So when something bad happens in this world, they're seeing it a hundred times a day. Unlike us when we grew up and we'd see it on the seven o'clock news, they're seeing it all day long. But not only are they seeing it, their parents are seeing it. And now I have parents who are telling high school girls, no, I'm sorry, you can't go to the mall. There might be a shooting. And we are now instilling all this fear on them as well. So I think when you take all of those factors and combine them, this is why we have a massive anxiety issue on our hands. I'm so glad that you brought up fear in the fear, I'm going to say not just, not parents, but of society. Yes. Like we are a fearful culture now and we spend so much time clicking on clickbait titles mm-hmm. and trying to understand what might happen. I'm in a like neighborhood for our town Facebook group. Somebody was asking the question, is it okay to let your eight-year-old play outside in your backyard alone Yeah, in a nice, safe neighborhood. And I think one person said it was okay. And everybody else said, why would you think that's okay? That's It's not safe. This is a place where people get kidnapped. I'm not going to say whether or not it's right or wrong. What I'm going to say is that wasn't the way we were parented. And so it does influence the kids as they get to middle school, whether you believe it's it's the way we need to be or not. Right. And I will speak to that and I will put my opinion in is that your eight-year-old needs to be able to play outside in the backyard. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> clarifying this. <laughs> I have no problem with that. This is why my books are called Mental Health Uncensored. I'm going to tell you how it is. Because the chances of them being kidnapped out of your yard are so extremely slim. And we cannot cover these kids in bubble wrap. We can't. We have to take reasonable risks. Your eight-year-old playing in your backyard is a reasonable risk to take. Yeah. And we have to come back to what is reasonable, what is not reasonable. We can't protect them from everything. And that's another issue that we're getting into as a society and as parents. We're not letting these kids fail. Whether it be in school, like schools are now even letting kids take tests, you know, up to three times so they could pass. Parents are helping high schoolers with homework because they don't want them to fail. But they have to fail in order to learn how to problem solve. And once they're able to problem solve, they're able to believe in themselves that they could handle life. So when we don't let them fail, when we don't let them problem solve, they do not believe in themselves. And then I have the college kids who are now failing out of college at at an alarming rate because they don't feel like they can accomplish anything and they don't feel like they have skills and tools. And the reality is they don't. Yeah. And that's, I think, what parents need to hear is that the reality is they don't. They don't have the skills to be able to succeed. But it's almost like as a parent in today's society, I interview experts. I'm a parent. I'm just trying to do a good job and learn from the people who you know know things that I don't. So I get it. We're supposed to let our kids fail, but it feels neglectful. I don't know how else to say it. You know, it feels like, how do I let my kid fail on a test when there's so much pressure as a parent 
to not let that happen. It is. And it's such an important conversation because it's the same conversation I have with kids with being able to do what you know is right, even when not everyone else is doing that. And to be able to step away from the pressures of society when you know they're not appropriate pressures. You know, I tell high school parents, especially if you are helping your child at the high school level with their schoolwork, there is a problem. If you are telling them, don't forget your homework is due, did you study for this test? There is a problem. Because if they cannot do it on their own right now, how are they going to do it in college? And parents always tell me the same response. Well, if I let them do it on their own, they're going to be like a B student. But if I help them, they're going to be an A student. And what I tell parents is, well, then they're a B student. And that's going to help determine an appropriate college for them where they will succeed. I just have to pause on that one for a second because that's that's hard to take, I think, for a lot of parents. Yeah. I wish that high schools would not only post, where did our kids get into college, but where did they graduate from? Because it's very different <laughs> um, because I'm, I see it all day long in my office. I've had you know more than one drop out of an Ivy League university. And it starts younger and younger, the anxiety and fear But I do think that middle school, and especially for girls, is a special place for the role of anxiety and fear. And it's where we know, research proves that's where their self-confidence really starts to plummet. Can you talk to me about what does it look like? Because I think sometimes parents are a little bit in denial and don't realize that an anxiety issue is starting to manifest. What does it look like in middle school? So when kids are um, looking for you for reassurance constantly, like, and they can't answer their own questions or they can't make their own decisions, that's a red flag. When they're asking you, I don't know what to eat for a snack, what should I eat for a snack? Well, you can decide that. And when they can't, it's it's actually due to an anxiety about like, I'm going to make the wrong choice. When they're coming to you to solve every single problem, it's because they're not, you know, they don't believe in themselves that they can do this. And that's where you start seeing anxiety creep up. Like that's a big early on sign because they may not have anxiety yet, but it's going to be developing. In terms of them already having anxiety, lots of times that looks like the big explosions when they just can't handle anything. They can't take anything else on their plate. So it's a very small thing of like, you know, where'd you put your water bottle? I don't know. And like, they can't handle it. They're already boiling. And they're about to boil over. Also, if you start seeing a lot of like skin picking, hair pulling, unable to sit still, this is that anxious energy. If you're noticing sleep issues, eating issues, you're noticing a lot of like fixated and something needs to be perfect. These are warning signs that something is probably brewing. Yeah. And I love how you gave us that initial entryway, which is inability to make choices. And that's when things might be small stakes, right? It's what snack should I have? That's really like not that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Right. And parents have to answer, don't answer. I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. What, What do you think is right? Put it back on them. I like that because like everybody has the ability to do that. And what I find is that At the point that parents are seeking support for their kid, too often we're so far into the 
anxiety is really a part of our of our life now and we need help yesterday. Yes. And so you're just giving a simple question that people can start to ask to give the kid the ability to make decisions for themselves, build some confidence and go from there. Right. And again, they're all age appropriate decisions. Middle schoolers could pick what they're going to have for a snack. Maybe yeah. not like your 3-year-olds, but you know, and maybe, but you know, your middle schooler definitely. And you want them to be able to trust in themselves. Yeah. When they have self-confidence, they, they normally don't have the anxiety because they know they can handle situations. And age appropriate is a phrase that I think that we need to talk about a little bit because I think that goes back to parenting out of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're a fearful society. And so what I'm hearing time and time again is that we are not necessarily letting our kids do things that are age appropriate. And that might look like, well, I'm kind of helping them with their report because they need me to. I'm picking their snacks for them. They well, they they're not going to do it on their own. What it what should we reasonably expect from our middle schoolers? For all of middle school, I'm going to tell you your child could do their own laundry and should. Laundry is my favorite thing to have parents put on their kids. Um, because it's a natural consequence. If your child doesn't do it, they just have dirty clothes. It also helps them time manage. It helps them pre-plan because it's like, oh, I just wore my softball jersey. I have a game next week. I need to do laundry, but I have homework and dance tomorrow. They have to time manage. It is one of the most useful skills because it teaches so much more than laundry. And I can't tell you how much pushback I get from parents about having their children do their own laundry because they are afraid they are going to ruin their clothes or break the washing machine. (laughs) <laughs> they're they're able to you know work a smartphone they should be able to work a, a washing machine um they should definitely be packing their own lunches they should be helping in the kitchen i'll never forget so i have four kids and my youngest was probably in first grade and we were you know sitting out at a friend's house for dinner and they had steak and my daughter was sitting there with a steak knife cutting her steak because she's in first grade and she can my friend almost jumped over the table she's like she has a knife i'm like <laughs> You can use the knife. She's not going to cut off her hand. It is amazing to me how many middle school children do not cut their own food. That's a problem. So they could do a lot of things at home. They can clean their room. They can vacuum. They could help with chores. Any of that type of stuff they should be able to do at this point. They should really be able to maintain their own homework and schedule as well. That one's hard for parents. I know. That one's even harder than the chores. And I, I find that they like play off of each other because a lot of times we let the household stuff go because they're so invested into school and we want them to succeed at school. And so we do it at the expense of life skills. We do. And we're also not realizing the reality is that they're not spending all that time on their homework. They're scrolling through their phone. They can do chores as well. They can learn time management skills. Yeah. Yeah. Now- all of this kind of creates an anxious child. It's the fear. It's the social media. You've said it. It's the pressures. But you have recently written a book that talks about the foundations that kids need in order to have a healthy setup. Talk to me about what you were consistently finding in the kids that you were meeting with and what you are trying to accomplish with your book. Yeah. So I have two books right now, Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know, and Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Teen Needs to Know, and it's a workbook to actually take them through the steps. 
So these books actually came out of COVID um, because I couldn't fit enough people in my office and parents were on the phone just crying and they're like, we just need help. And what I've seen for 20 years is that when kids have good routines and good self-care, just like us as adults, they function better. And we miss a big chunk of it when we talk about mental health because we're not talking about the physical body. So one of my foundations is sleep. I cannot tell you how crucial sleep is. Think of us. If we're sleep deprived, we're cranky the next day. Think of your middle schooler who didn't get enough sleep the night before. They're now cranky. Any stressor they can't handle. They can't focus in school. Now they don't remember what they learned in school. Now homework's a disaster. It all comes together. They have to be eating well. If they're just living off energy drinks and Starbucks, they can't function. Um, When we talk about chemicals in the brain, especially like our feel-good chemicals, 90% of them are made in our gut. We actually need to be eating nutritious food in order for our body to work properly and our mental health. So I go through all these types of foundations because if you have that and if you start developing them into your daily system, it's so much easier. It is mental health is an uphill battle when you're also not eating well, not moving your body and not hydrated. That's a whole nother issue is hydration. And they're simple. They're simple steps. In our house, like my daughter thinks I'm a broken record. It's the answer to everything. After there's any kind of a challenge, did you drink water? Have you? (laughs) It solves most of your problems. It really does. From headaches to stomach issues to focusing. Um, There was even a study that found that dehydrated people were angrier. Interesting. Yeah. Like the science is there. So it really is so important. And I go through the foundations in my book. I do a bunch of physical and then I do a bunch of mental health ones too, such as, you know, teaching your children that it's okay to say no. Yeah. And that's a really big one, especially for middle schoolers as they're going through friendships. So when a friend is constantly calling them because they're in crisis, your child cannot be a crisis counselor. At some point they need to say, you know, you're my friend. I care about you, but I need to go and do my own homework. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries are important. I think everybody is so overtaxed, as you kind of alluded to, that there are more people who need support than can access it. And that's that's kind of the next question I want to ask about is that, you know, as a society, I feel like we're waiting too long to get our girls help. Mm-hmm. And then there's not enough capacity in the system. In your perfect world, how would we do it differently? How would we give our, empower our middle school girls with what they need to avoid developing extreme anxiety? Or how would we treat them once they get there? Right. So I think the key is really to work on it before it gets there. And I think all the school districts really need to look at that. All the school districts are having a mental health crisis. They're hiring more and more therapists. They can't keep up. We need to, you know, pull it back and look at the root causes here. And one of the big issues I find too is that these kids need to be able to have downtime and a break. And we talk about as adults work-life balance. The same goes for them. They should not be doing homework on weekends. I don't know why we think this is a good idea. They need off time. They need time to just do nothing and to decompress. But when they feel like they're going, 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 that's a problem. When we look at our school cafeteria lunches, that's a problem. When we look at the limited outdoor time for play, that's a problem. When we look at kids really early on in life, they should be doing more play than schoolwork. You know, so we're gearing them up for a life of anxiety because of the pressures that we're putting on them. 
And I think you need to really make changes on that level and also make them in your own household. You know, my children are not allowed to stay up all night doing homework. Absolutely not. Your sleep is more important. Grades are really not a big deal in my house. And I'm definitely not getting into that battle with high schoolers. I appreciate it. And I know there are parents who are like, but this is really hard because I'm trying to set my kid up for success. But if our kids aren't physically healthy, yeah. When they're if they if they don't learn how to take care of themselves and you and you said something, we're setting them up for a lifetime of anxiety. Mm-hmm. We're not just dealing with an anxious period. No. If a if a kid develops anxiety in middle school, what what's the expectation of that? Like how if we don't intervene and make changes in their lifestyle, what happens next? The anxiety continues. You know, this doesn't just automatically get better. Um, It takes work for it to get better. Once we're in that point where we've developed anxiety or depression, it takes work to actually get better and to get back on track. And it's hard work. And the longer it goes on for, the harder the work is many times. You know, when it comes to what you said, like parents wanting to set their kids up for success. Yes, I know. I get it. But we're going about it the wrong way. When you're just focused on the grades you are missing out on such a bigger piece of the person. And I recently had a kid and it was a really hard decision for him, but he wasn't doing well. And he kept on you know, failing academic probation in a very good college. And he made the decision to drop out of college, um, which of course so negatively affects their self-esteem and it's so much more work they have to do to get over it. But when we talked about kind of what happened here, you know, his mom, who was a lovely woman, but really, really overly helped him in high school with his grades And I said to him, what would have happened if she didn't? And he's like, I probably would have been like a C student. There's no way I would have gotten into that college. And I looked at him. I said, and should you have gotten into that college? He's like, no, I couldn't do it. I said, I know. And now here we are. And now because he has no problem solving skills. Now we're trying to look at the next stage of life. And it's like, he's frozen. Yeah. So you think you're setting your kids up for success by getting into that good named college, that well-ranked college. Let me tell you, it means nothing. It's interesting because what you're saying is like we might protect them and buffer them from some of the stuff to get them where they believe we believe they need to be, but natural consequences will come out in the yeah. end at yeah. some point in the process. Yeah, you can only shield them for so long. And if it's not during the college time, because again, some parents are way too involved in college as well and editing papers, it's going to be in their job or it's going to be in their adult relationships because they don't know how to deal. Yeah. So you're just prolonging the issue. Yeah. So if there was one thing you could have all middle school girl parents know going in, like getting ready to go into middle school, what would you like them to know to be able to foster an environment of independence rather than anxiety? Yeah. I think what I would want all parents to know, especially with middle school girls, is your relationship is so important. Do not battle over the stuff that actually doesn't matter. Don't battle it though. You know, pick your battles and also don't think, don't take things as a parent so personally. You know, when your kid comes home from school and they kind of just blow up or slam a door or there's an eye roll, listen, they just had to hold it together all during school and school was pressure filled and there was a lot going on and you're their safe place. Don't take it personal. Yeah. Just give them a hug. 
I was I was interviewing Kim Palmiotto of Nurturing Girls recently, and she was explaining to me that sometimes they're dumping on us, oh, and, yeah. and it's not uh, they're not reacting to us. They're dumping because they need to unleash this, and that was really helpful for me to understand. Like the better we can do as parents, understanding the context of what our kid is bringing to us the better our relationship can be and probably the better we feel, right? Because when it's when it feels personal, we can't help but react like it's personal. Yes. But when we know this is part of the process, just like we know babies cry when they're hungry, babies cry when they're overstimulated. You know, like we expect it from younger kids. We don't expect it from our middle schoolers. And we just have to get there, I guess, on the education. That's been one of the most important things that I've learned through the podcast is like, not everything is a reaction to me. This isn't actually about me. It's about learning how to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I always tell parents, like if they're kind of dumping on you right after school, it's because they know that you're their safe place. They know that you're not leaving them. You love them. So on one hand, take it as a compliment if it makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that. A lot of it go, you know, I'm never okay with just utter disrespect. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But don't worry about the eye rolls. Don't worry about the fine, you know, like just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of us, it's hard because we feel like, well, we don't want to raise a disrespectful child or we don't want to raise an entitled child. But, but you're saying like, if we can keep the relationship and if we can let some of this stuff go, they're not going to be like that forever. Right. Right. And, you know, letting them eye roll or huff and puff is one thing. You know, it's another thing if they're like, I want Starbucks now. And you're like, okay, no problem. No, no, dear. No. Um, But, you know, the other stuff you just need to let go of. Yeah. 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 That's super helpful. So can you tell us the name of your book again and what parents can find in the book to support them? Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know. It's on Amazon. And the same with the workbook, uh, 10 Foundations Every Teen Needs to Know. And it's really for like 13 and up, I would say that book. Um, And in there, they could find all the physical foundations, all the mental health foundations to really start instilling in your child and how to do it. And the workbook actually really helps the kids. There's like guides and charts and it's like, okay, how much water did I drink today? And what's my goal? And what are my future goals? And all that good stuff. Yeah. And I just, I love that you've built it to be a workbook for the teens. Teen girls especially love this stuff. They love questions and thinking through it and quizzes and tracking. And it comes, it comes so much more positively than if parents are saying, did you drink enough water today? It's so helpful. And I have a whole chapter in there about friendships as well, because these girls, that's really important. And you know, I explain different levels of friendships and not everyone's going to be all in. And then I, there's a whole friendship circle. It's like, who's your inner core? What, do, what are your expectations? Who are your outers? What's that expectation? Um, because kids sometimes feel really isolated because they're not understanding that not everyone's your best friend. And there's different levels of expectations with all of that. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. Yep. I think that's so important for every middle school girl. Thank you so much, Carrie. This has been a great conversation. Can you tell folks where they can find you? Yes, um, CarrieCooperHolisticTherapy.com and also on Instagram at CarrieCooperHolisticTherapy. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more conversations with experts designed to help you support your middle school girl, please hit subscribe. You can also sign up for the newsletter at the link in the show notes to receive emails about tips and resources, upcoming events, and new podcast episodes, all designed to support you and your child.